Welcome, everyone, to episode 33 of the Dream Team Podcast, near midnight edition at the time of recording, because what a day it has been in the NBA. I am your host, as always, Jake Schultz. Just going two of us today. Selfie Shake, how's it going, man? What's up? What's up? What a, what a wild, crazy day in Raptors land, in basketball in general. Just a lot, a lot of emotions today, to say the least. Yeah, numbing. I think is kind of a proper term to use what happens Uh, in case you live underneath a tree, underneath a tree, tree. underneath (laughs) a rock. That's not the, that's not the proper thing. It's almost midnight. Leave me alone. And I worked a Raptors game. Okay. (laughs) Pascal Siakam, the franchise star for the Toronto Raptors has officially been traded. It is also officially confirmed to be done after the games. The trade did go through. Christian Coloco from the Raptor side was waived in order for this trade to go through because it was a three-team trade involving the New Orleans Pelicans where they sent over... Was it Kieran? Yeah, it was Kira Lewis. Kira Lewis. Kira Lewis Jr. from the Pelicans as well as a second-round pick to Indiana to get him off of their books. For Pascal Siakam to the Pacers... In return for Jordan, Jordan Wara and Bruce Brown. And officially, the We the North era of the Toronto Raptors is closed. Um, it, it's, been, the, we, it's been a while since the trade has happened, okay? Uh, we've had some time to sit with it. We have some time to digest it. Certainly, we've had two separate different ways of digesting this you with the media side of the raptors working for sportsnet today me with the fan perspective working my job with the raptors just kind of getting the vibe of everything i want to just start there more than anything before we get on to our own personal opinions on everything just kind of what the vibe felt like today for you zolfi especially around that raptors area with all those media people what it was like yeah, it's a it's an interesting question, and honestly, I thought about it on my way home from the game of like, how do I even describe what the vibe was? And again, granted, this is coming from someone who hasn't been there all season. Like, this is my first time being a, a credentialed member of, of the media at a game, and uh, I was gonna say like somber or weird, and those didn't feel right. So I guess the best way to describe it for me was like flat. It just felt like flat in there because like. There was just so many different emotions going on, like you talked about, like a, a top five player in franchise history, the most tenured Raptor uh, is is gone and he is no longer with his team. And in the midst of all of that, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but like Warriors assistant coach Dejan Milojevic, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that right and I apologize if I don't, uh, he passed away. And he's somebody who's Serbian, so he clearly has a great connection to Darko Ryakovic and assistant coach Ivo Simovic. And uh, he also, if people know Jama Malalela, assistant coach for the Raptors, worked with uh, Dejan in Golden State when he was there. The Raptors, on their road trip out west, played in Golden State just a couple weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, I think. And uh, they had dinner with him. They, uh, Darko, Ivo, Jama, and a couple of the guys had dinner with Dejan uh, Milosevic. And uh, today we find out that he passed away from a heart attack. I, I I don't I could not imagine the toll emotionally for guys like that to have to go through that, let alone on the same day as a franchise player is traded away and all while having to play a game. So to say the the, the mood and the vibe was flat is is an understatement, but that feels like the best way to describe it. Uh, everyone just was I guess it was it was all being processed in real time, right? Like this trade happens like hours before this news breaks out hours before, and you're like. What the hell do we even focus on and talk about? How do you like move forward? And it was just a lot of like thinking and processing. And I'm just glad I saw from a lot of the people there. It was just patience with the team and letting them digest this how they need to. Yeah, I I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't agree with that more. I walked into work today with my Siakam jersey. Um, put that on before I went into. Work felt like any other time, kind of just walking through, seeing some players warm up. And I'm like, okay, like it is what it is. And then Jimmy Butler walks by because uh, in the back of my room, uh, there's players that walk by our area. And Jimmy Butler looks at my jersey, smiles and goes, where's Pascal at, man? Oh. And th- I think that was the moment that it actually kind of sunk into me that I'm like, oh, this is real, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And going out to the game preparing for a game and trying to get crowds hyped and invested into it, hearing Strizzy not announce Pascal 
during the opening. So not hearing we keep it spicy at the forwards, uh, the opening. It was pretty weird to say the least, because it's not like he's injured and uh, it happens, but it's the first time that he's just not a part of this team since he was drafted in 2016. And the crowd was kind of similar. They were completely out of it, I would say, for the first quarter. I think it was people didn't really know how to react. I certainly didn't know how to get people involved because it's only so many times you can start like a let's go Raptors chant when like the crowd is kind of clearly not into it. And I think mm-hmm. that that's everyone also trying to digest everything that happens. Uh, certainly the, the the crowd and the team play heightened in the second quarter, which ended up being some of the most fun I've had working with the Raptors this year. But that's for a different story. It, it just, it's weird seeing all the shoot up, the warm rounds, not seeing Pascal out there doing his goofy warm ups that he always does with Scotty. And the two of them, they always have like this embrace after Scotty dunks. Uh, that wasn't there. And just kind of seeing, you can tell that the players were a little off, but it didn't feel like Detroit off. Detroit was like a straight, like that was when OG got traded. Everyone was like kind of, it, they felt like the players weren't there. They yeah. they were certainly there today, and they showed out. They got a win, yeah. and they easily. I'm going to commend them for that because they easily could have rolled over with everything that was happening today and have just have been like, "No, we're not having this. We're just going to go through the motions, get this game over with, and just get ready for tomorrow because it's a brand new day." They didn't do that, and they came out firing and won the game. But it's just weird, man. It, it's. It felt like the writing was on the wall for a while that this was happening. But I think specifically me, I feel like I was kind of in denial with it a little bit. Just because I'm like, surely, surely this isn't how it's going to go down, right? Like this is a top five player to ever have worn the Toronto Raptors jersey in its near 30 year existence. Someone who was a no drama put his head down, went to work type of guy, a constant professional all the way up until the very end. Like these rumors must not have been easy for him, for the team. And he continued to go and ball through every single rumor. And he could have just, he could have just stopped. He could have just been like, yeah, like I'm going to get traded. He surely obviously knew that he was going to be traded by this point. And he continued to go and do what Spicy P does. Um, but when you look at the trade sides of this three first round picks, I think I forgot to mention that there's three first round picks that are coming back <laughs> as well. Uh, two of them are in these first round picks for this year. So the 2024 draft, uh, spoiler alert, the same draft that the Raptors traded away their own pick for, for Jakob last year. And one that is a worse pick between four teams. <laughs> of a 2024 so whatever team finishes with the worst record i think it's like it's currently the thunder so currently the would, thunder either so, way it's very likely a mid to late 20s pick yeah um and when you look at that hall like th- it, there's something about it man that doesn't sit with me properly and maybe that's just because i know what value pascal has I know what value and a type of a player and a teammate that he brings to a team and his style of play that is so underappreciated by so many people in this league and one of the best power forwards in the league and to just only get back draft picks and Bruce Brown, who is a good piece. Like, don't get me wrong. Bruce Brown is a good piece, but you obviously there's going to be questions on his future with this franchise. Cause if he fits, if he fits the timeline, if he doesn't fit the timeline, it's just a lot to swallow, you know? And I still feel like even at this point, the, the draft picks are nice. Draft picks are always nice. But are they really as valuable as they once were in the past versus players, young players, like that Indian had so many players? Andrew mm-hmm. Nemhard, Jairus Walker, all of these guys, Bennett Matherin. And all you're getting back is first round picks. It's a tough pill to swallow. And I I don't know. Where do you stand with all that? Look, I think the easiest way I can try to sum up my thoughts on the trade is to give it like a grade. And currently I give it like 
uh, B minus, C plus, like okay. somewhere in that range. Uh, the reason being, uh, I understand that it's disappointing not getting one of uh, Indiana's many young prospects. Again, two Canadians on there. You have Andrew Nemard, Ben McMathrin, Jairus Walker is another guy. Even the, the Jalen Smith was there, like another big guy. And Aaron Neesmith, any of these other young guys that could have been potentially had. But this is the reality of the situation the Raptors were in. Like, like you said, in a vacuum, Pascal Siakam is an all-NBA player, very talented, multiple-time all-star, and he has immense value in this league, especially in the current market. Again, in a vacuum. But then you add the context that he's an expiring deal. That opens up a little bit. Then you add the fact that uh, he hasn't uh, committed to re-signing long-term anywhere. That opens it up a bit more. Then you add the reporting that he wants a fully, like his full max deal worth. That things add, uh, opens up things uh, even more because, like, uh, a Golden State Warriors, if they want to Pascal Siakam, like, realistically speaking, they can't sign him to a max contract after that, not at a full value. So that takes them out of the mix. That takes a couple teams out of the mix who uh, more or less might have been interested in Pascal Siakam. So your options start getting really limited when you add those things into it. Because then uh, if Pascal isn't really willing to commit to another team, why would they be willing to offer one of their young prospects, especially when he's on an expiring deal? Like, I, I think you're right that the Raptors probably came to the table being like, hey, give us one, give me Andrew Nemhard. And the uh, Pacers were like, no. And then they were like, okay, give me Benedict Mathurin. Pacers were like, no. Yeah, how about Jairus Walker? No, we don't have to do that. And then, if I, again, I'm sure the Raptors were looking at all the offers out there and they were like, there is not much better here. So then you turn to the other side of like, well, then if that was the case, why don't you re-sign Pascal to a max contract and then try to move him later? You run the risk of one, Pascal not agreeing to re-sign that contract. And I have to assume at this point, there might've been some indication of that because they were willing to make this move now at a very weird time rather than trade uh, waiting till a deadline. They may have already known that was the case at least a little bit. Or there's the, just the idea that for some reason or another, that, Pas- uh, that Masai Ujiri did not want to offer Pascal Siakam this fully like value max contract. Grainstein is reporting today. Uh, they wanted to offer Pascal Siakam 30% of the cap over like a three-year deal versus Pascal wanting that 35%, that fully max contract. And then even I wanted to have the opportunity to, to try to earn a super max this season. And uh, the indication from the reporting is that even if he was eligible for a super max, Raptors didn't want to give him one. So like, if you're not willing to give him that kind of money, then you risk him walking away. And we all said that the, the, an abject failure would be letting Pascal walk away for nothing. So then you have to turn back, look at these offers that aren't that sexy, aren't full value, and then you have to pick one. And it seemed like the Raptors did. I, I, I don't really want to like go back and forth on the, like this trade itself because I think in the current climate that they're in, this was probably the best offer on the table. That, that is my assumption, and I'm okay with that. But uh, I think it's a different conversation to be had is that I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall, not even just this season, but last season. And then that trade deadline was much more impactful in terms of the trajectory of this team. Uh, you decide to trade for a Yaka Pertle, give away a pick, and decide to kind of rebuild and try to uh, stay competitive instead of moving on from a guy like Fred Van Vliet and a guy like Pascal Siakam now. I think uh, we can look back in history and see that deadline being much more impactful than what we are at now. But for now, I think it's a... It's a B minus type of trade. It's unfortunate to see Pascal go for less value than he's worth, but it was honestly probably the best offer that was out there. And at a certain point, you kind of just have to get something over nothing. Yeah, you're looking at it at a very <laughs> less emotional aspect than I am. I feel like it's just because I'm. Everyone's everyone has that guy on their team. Yeah. Everyone has that person that they love. For people in the We the North era, it was always DeRozan. DeRozan and Lowry, those were their one and twos he was the, the guy entire time. DeRozan was your guy? Yeah, DeRozan was my guy. I was not happy with the Kawhi trade. Uh, DeRozan was my favorite player on the Raptors the entire time. All the reporting around Kawhi was the hit. The situation around San Antonio had more to do with him. He was being a malcontent. I, looking back, I think a lot of that was probably wrong. Uh, his knee situation or knee issues were clearly very real, and he was trying to take them seriously. Uh, but I wasn't happy. A franchise star, and then the, the reporting that Masai and Derozan had a conversation. Masai told him that he was good, and then traded him after that. I was pissed, to be quite honest. I thought like he was because the thing with me and Derozan was that he was the first guy, really, to be like, I want to be here. The first like yeah. talented guy. Not like obviously him and Lowry go hand in hand. But uh, when Chris Bosh was traded, the, the famous Derozan tweet saying, "I got us." 
I was like, that's the guy. That's the first guy to fall in love with Toronto in the NBA. That's the first guy to really have our back. Like Kyle Lowry was traded here and the Raptors kept him. And obviously Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor of all time, but DeMar DeRozan chose to be here after being drafted. He stayed and stayed and stayed. And he helped his team build from the ground up. And he was the one who had our back when no one else did after the whole Bosch era. So I, I was really heartbroken by that. So everyone, ha- you're right. Everyone has that kind of player and has that person. So I understand being emotional about it. And that's why I'm saying like, people have a right to be upset with this. People have the right to be upset with the fact uh, that Pascal Siakam wasn't tre- treated like an all NBA player towards the end of this whole situation and that they didn't get the value back of an all NBA player, which is uh, rightfully so. I just think like it's one of those moments where like you are in the situation that you put yourselves in when it comes to this front office. And, and at that point, like it, if you don't deal with it now, it's only going to get dicier and dicier. So it's like one of those things where you just have to eventually kind of deal with it pragmatically but uh, you have every right to be upset. And I'm sure fans, again, uh, they feel the same way. Yeah, like objectively, I, I I can see it as this is what we wanted from the front office. We have asked for a direction. We, we asked all since the inception of our podcast. <laughs> we have said, where's the direction of the Toronto Raptors going? And we've mm-hmm. asked that over and over and over again. And it's very clear. It is build around Scotty Barnes' strengths. And that's where they're going. They're rebuilding around Scotty Barnes. I thought it was going to be more of a retooling than a rebuilding. This mm-hmm. is for someone to sell an all NBA player for three picks is a very clear rebuilding type of aspect. Now what they yeah. do with those picks depends what they do with those picks, right? They could always package them up, try to move up a little bit more, see what you have with there, or maybe try to package them for players in general. Like th- honestly, they're probably not done. Like we're probably going to be able to sit back down here again in a couple weeks from now talking about another trade, because I don't feel like this team is done. Um, but just in general, like I was never that DeRozan guy. Like I liked DeRozan a lot, but I didn't have that connection as much as I did with Siakam. Maybe that's because I watched Siakam grow as a player, as a guy who literally didn't pick up a basketball until he was 17 years old, yeah. went to college. No one really thought where he would go. And all the talks about the the secret workout that he did in Buffalo, just like the... <laughs> what he did there to put him on the map with Toronto and for him to come be a G league MVP D league at the time uh, champion there and come and slowly the bench mob, just like you're, you're seeing his presence throughout all this. And you're like, there's something there with this guy and for the team to have faith to build a team around him, Kawhi and the other strengths and for him to be a second piece on a championship team. You literally see his growth through every single step when Kawhi left how he took and he played with, I'm going to sound like Darko, he played with so much joy in that 2019-2020 season. Then COVID came, he got hit with that time, and he played the worst basketball of his career as a franchise player, and he grew from it. He took that moment. There easily could have been so many players that were dejected from it, that had a massive struggle. He struggled. He absolutely struggled the season after, but he grew and became a better player for it. Uh, And I respected him so much more through all of that and he just felt like that guy (laughs) and my guy through all of it and it it sucks man it just I get it it's a business but there's always those players that you feel like you emotionally attach yourself to and he was that for me he embodied the we the north personification like he wanted to be here he could have left he had so many chances to leave but Masai and Bobby put their faith in him to make him that number one and to excel granted it didn't work like everyone thought it would be but that doesn't diminish what he is as a player he's a top 25 player he's the best second option you could ever have on a contending team i stand by that still i and we're going to get to indy in a second because i this is if this doesn't put them closer towards contendership like i don't know what does but it sucks man like it sucks when you try to put the business and the emotional side together and i get it we're not supposed to be doing that. And, but you know no, what, I here think, I, I think am. It's, I think it's fair to do that. Like, I think it's important. Uh, sports are innately human. It's a, it's a business. Yes. At the highest levels. But uh, part of why we love sports is the human element of it. This is, this is real people and real humans doing insanely athletic and marvelous things. And those people still have human emotions and human feelings. Again, the reporting around uh, Pascal supposedly not being offered this full value max extension uh was he was the, i think the words grange used was that he felt heartbroken by it uh yeah. in, in in his piece today so i think that's real for fans and for people like yourself to feel that way about the situation as well like it's it's just tough 
because they didn't they didn't have much option or much choice anymore given the situation and how it was developing and i think a, a couple of people said it today like it's not the fact that pascal was moved it's how it all shook out in the end it's yeah. the whole um them not wanting to give him the full offer him like the contact they apparently communication wasn't clear throughout the summer like pascal not even being with the team in vegas during summer league because of how bad the situation was at some point uh, and then apparently the, all the reporting that was quote unquote leaked from Pascal's camp surrounding all this contract situation, like some believe that the whole Pascal's not willing to commit to another team long term if he is traded was kind of something his camp put out there to diminish his value so he could control more of the situation. Like it was just such a back and forth that probably couldn't, I guess, shouldn't have happened this way. So it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate from a, for a fan base. It's unfortunate for the team, for one of the most storied players in franchise history to go out like this. And I guess all you can do is hope for the best moving forward. I think if the situation was, in hindsight, was handled last season, it would have gone a lot differently because uh, it would have been one of those things where, like, immediately you're disappointed by it. But it's a it, that would have been just like you you tip your hat, you shake your hand to Pascal, you want basically tell him bet on yourself and go prove it. And we just don't want to. We don't have the I guess the future plan in mind to be part of that and you move forward. But now it got personal. Like it seems to got personal on both sides and that's unfortunate, but all you can do now is move forward and try to hope for the best for both. Where do you think the Raptors go from here now? Because they don't have their pick this year. Most likely there's five bottom barrel teams. It's top six protected pick, but between the Spurs, the Wizards, the Pistons, God forsaken Pistons, (laughs) <laughs> and the Grizzlies, and there's one other team that I'm forgetting. Who's the, who's the last team? There's one other team. The that Hornets? I'm forgetting. Uh, probably, probably the Hornets. Yeah. yeah, so between those five teams, like the Raptors are most likely going to finish around that. Like they're going to finish above that. Their pick is gone. But now they've added two more pieces there. Thad Bruce Brown, which remains to be seen again, if he actually is going to be a long-term part of this team. He does have a club option next year. So yeah. if they want to bring him back next year, they can or they can try to trade him for assets, picks, whatever they feel necessary. But this has been deemed by a lot of people as a weaker draft. Mm -hmm. And especially when you look at last year, like you said, looking back at what happened at last trade deadline, they purposefully traded away from this draft because they must have known that this draft was weak. So I think that's kind of a little bit where that confusion lies between fans and where this pick, where this trade has gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're going to get an answer soon to that. I think personally, what I think they should do, like I alluded to is that they should package it up and try to trade up in the draft uh, and get back to that position or try to find some other younger players that are, are available. I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Like this, this trade. The reason why I give it a B minus C plus is I'm trying to hedge my bets a bit, I guess, because uh, depending on how these picks like uh, turn out, this could be bumped up to like an A trade, or it could go all the way down to an F. That's, of course, that's, just, that's what the draft is. It's a crapshoot, right? Like, that's what I mean. They're dart yeah. throws, especially yeah, that, when they're going to be in the high the high twenties, because those picks yeah. are going to be pretty high. Like they will most likely end up dart throws, and I, the Raptors have not necessarily drafted the greatest recently as well. Dick obviously remains to be seen, but before that, there are some picks that Flynn, you have Coloco, who's now been waived, most likely is going to get back with the 905. He's going to be out for the season, but they haven't necessarily had the best track record as of recent. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Like, uh, there's even guys we totally forget about Jalen Harris, David Johnson, like, uh, not a lot I forgot of about Jalen Harris, yeah. CBL legend. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of guys who have like stayed with his team, obviously. So the draft is is a risky proposition. But again, uh, it's one of those things where like you have we have to look at the whole history that recently it hasn't been great, but for the most part, the Raptors have been able to draft relatively well and develop out of it. Hell, a, a late t a, a late twenties pick is Pascal Siakam. He was twentieth overall. Uh, even like undrafted guys like Fred Van Vliet. So like. The, the best player in the league was drafted in the second round in Nikola Jokic. Uh, there's lots of guys who can come out of that situation. And you can still get stuff out of it. It's just, it is ironic to your point that they traded out of this draft last season. And now they have four picks in this draft. They have yeah. three first round picks uh, and uh, a second round pick from uh, Detroit. So that 
That is insane. High second round pick. Yeah, that is that is hilarious to think about. Actually, there's nothing else you can do but laugh about that. But look, a draft is a draft. Prospects can translate in in any kind of draft. You just never know. You're right that it is considered by scouts a weaker draft, but like it's not crazy to say that scouts have been wrong before. You never know what can happen. Uh, so they just have to hope that their evaluation works well and they're able to do something with it. Uh, you're right that they could pro- possibly trade up. There's a couple of players at the top who do seem enticing, especially there's a couple of international prospects who could be interesting. There's Alexandre Saar. There's a, another kid, I believe he's Serbian uh, point guard. He's kind of taught. I apologize for not remembering his name. Uh, he, I, I believe recently towards ACL, unfortunately. So uh, he may actually drop and that's somebody that can be picked up. You never know. Uh, so yeah, there, there's names there. There's Isaiah Collier. There's a couple other guys. So, uh, it's one of those things where you kind of just have to wait and see. And the Bruce Brown part of it is interesting. Like you said, it's a team option. So, uh, my inclination is that they kind of try to see how he fits in with this roster to, at first. He's a great connecting piece. He's a great veteran to have around, uh, for a team that's trying to figure it out. And then if it doesn't work, teams are going to want him. championship teams are going to want him. You can like, if you squint your eyes, maybe you're able to get a first round pick for Bruce, uh, Brown if the team is desperate and they're looking to win a championship. His salary is pretty movable, in my opinion. So it's one of those things where, like, even if it's in the offseason, because you pick up his option and then you move him then. So I think that side of it is uh, leaves options for his team. Look, uh, the, I, I said this before, like, this isn't fun. This is a sad, weird day. But the future is clear, and now the, the team has options. I kind of see it as, in, like, you reset. You have a war chest of some sort now that you didn't have before this trade, and now you're able to kind of let Masai tinker uh, I, I will say, like, I don't personally think this is a full rebuild. I think it's a, it is a retool, in my opinion, uh, okay. in, in the in the fact that you aren't starting from ground zero or even like from like step two of a rebuild. Like, you have a core three. You have uh, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel, quickly Scotty Barnes, who are all in their early twenties. So that already kind of jump starts a rebuild because you have a core to work around. Usually, you kind of have to figure out who are going to be the pieces that you build around in a rebuild, right? Or who are going to be the guys that you kind of work through. You need to identify at least one gem. And go from there. And they have that. They have the Scotty Barnes and that person to build around. They have two other secondary guys who they can add into that mix that complement each other. So that already kind of moves them up a couple steps. So I think they they fast track that. Granted, I don't think they're on their way to contention anytime soon. Uh, they have a lot to work through before that. But I think they have jump started a bit with the OG Ananobi uh, trade. So they're in a situation now where they kind of have to like tweak around it and see what they can get. Yeah, I that OG trade. <laughs> when you compare the two it's kind of crazy but i was talking to a couple of my buddies about this that pascal doesn't necessarily fit a lot of other teams position wise whereas og yeah. is one of the most versatile players that you could have in the league with a 3 yeah. and B. so that's why i think og garnered so many more like usable players versus like i don't and i also i don't want to i don't want to crap on two guys that i haven't seen play before I like yeah. who knows this is a fresh start for them like they could easily go I was this is gonna sound horrible I was looking through the New Orleans Pelican subreddit as one does to go find oh, good opinions but when they were talking about Kira Lewis they were like he never had a chance like they, they fully just phased him out of their system there with the Pelicans because he got hurt and they were just like look like we have our core like we're not gonna try this but in college like, yeah he tore his ACL so he had a long recovery in college I remember him in Alabama. He was fast, man. He's a fast player. So, like, you never know with these guys, too. They're still young. Like, it doesn't hurt to bring these guys in and try them out and see what happens. Like, there's no pressure now, certainly, within Toronto. And so, like, you never know. It's, it's just, it's it's interesting for sure, man. It, it, it's The vision is clear, though. Like, yeah. it, this is Scotty Barnes's team. It, it was obvious it was written in the walls for so long we saw in the open gym clip with Masai like you're coming to be with Scotty and it, it, this is it. it it's now time for Scotty to show that he can be that guy and it's gonna be an interesting couple of years for Toronto because it's not gonna be a like even this year even if Scotty doesn't make the all-star game which I'm starting to think he most likely will not make the all-star game but yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, even though I think it is deserved, but it'll be those three are the core. You're right, and spicy, spicy barbecue, barbecue. It's just, no it's more just spicy. mild barbecue now. It's just <laughs> brown barbecue. Um, tried to throw him in there. That is going to be the core, and from what we've seen out of an eight game 
sample size, I've liked it. I've liked what the three have done with each other. Hey, and Barrett, like size against uh, Miami today, it's crazy. They, yeah. they they're running like crazy. They're fast. They're perimeter oriented. They're moving the ball in an insane amount. Um, I think it's a it's weirdly simpler. Like they're the, the way the game operates for this team without Pascal Siakam. He's just such an impactful and uh, important player that you have to find the w- ways for the ball to move through him versus with the way the guys are now. It's just kind of more of how the game is flowing, like the roles and uh, kind of like their responsibilities are a lot simpler. Scotty kind of plays his own style a bit more because he can now pick and choose when he wants to stay on the perimeter, when he wants to work inside off a mismatch. I I guess on this game against the Heat, he was hunting Tyler Hero a bunch when he got switched on. And then when he wasn't, he was still on the outside dishing and stuff like that. So I think it like against a one game sample, especially because the Toronto Raptors aren't going to shoot over 50% from three and make 20 threes in a game every time. 14 threes, eight minutes into the second quarter. Yeah, like that's just not sustainable, especially if you take into account that literally a game ago against Boston, they only hit four threes out of 30 attempts. So it just goes to show how up and down this team can be. But like, yeah, like this team has an identity now against their uh, with their trio. Again, I think it's like simpler in a way and the roles and responsibilities are a lot clearer. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win a lot of games, but you know what they're building towards. And if there's one thing I can give Masai credit for, it's the fact that like he is good at building towards things. Like he's good at putting things together when the pieces are there, when he has options. Again, like he kept the Toronto Raptors competitive long enough for that move to be made for Kawhi Leonard. He he saw that that was kind of what he's going to do. He wasn't he didn't pull the plug too early, right? Like, we get annoyed that sometimes they're too patient and they wait too long. But it's one of those things where, like, he understands that sometimes, depending on your situation, you have to move a certain way. When this team is competitive, I'm sure they would be patient with the situation. But the reality was is that they weren't realistically competitive this year. They haven't been realistically competitive for a couple of years. And that's why Masai decided to go with the way he did. And we can criticize the fact that he maybe waited too long and what have you. But it's one of those things where I think he is good in that position where he can kind of build things and kind of work it out whether we want to take recency bias into account or not. No, I, I, I've genuinely more recently been pretty happy with how Masai has handled the occasion, the situations. Like I, I, it was a tough situation for him to be in. Man, you think that he didn't hear all of the the noise after Fred Van Vliet walked out of his office and went and signed a massive contract with Houston? Yeah. He guarantee he was scared that that would happen again. And I don't blame him. And I don't think that he ever wanted that to happen again in general. So it, it is what it is. Like I, I still trust Masai. Like he was able to get three first round picks, like turn two players into three first round picks, a second round pick, two extremely startable players that have high upside. One that everyone thought was toxic, which has turned out to be an extremely a- valuable asset to this team so far in eight games. Like, he scored over 20 points in seven of his eight games that he's played in RJ Barrett. Like yeah. he, he has a vision. You're right. Like, and, and honestly, the more I think about it, it doesn't, it actually doesn't feel like a full rebuild. Like you're saying, yeah, yeah, because it, they have pieces. Pirtle is still there, which who, who knows if Pirtle will be there by next year, but Trent, someone who benefited extremely tonight with a lot of his match. Of the season, yeah. Eight of nine from three. He was had a season high twenty eight points. He could also be a future part of the Raptors. Like we've been saying for how long now that we think that Gary is capable of being a very productive role. And it seems that every time they put him in the starting position, that he just turns into this fifth dimensional being <laughs> and just <laughs> sees red every time. But like, who knows? Gary could benefit from this as well. Like, and they re up with him and see what happens next year. It's an interesting prospect to watch this team. And yeah, I I think that that core will be fun to watch for a while. And when you actually can see the vision of where they're going and Scotty keeps taking more steps, like we all believe that he can, I think that it'll be, um, it'll be good for this team and Dick as well. I think everyone who like has been writing off Dick. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Dick is not like, First round, but oh, you could have got Keontae George instead. Like, chill. He's 20 years old. Go watch this game. He had a couple of nice steals in there. He yeah. had some really nice threes. His threes, his shot form looked really good. Like, he's fine. He's going to be fine. 
And now Darko can go and help develop him and put more attention to him. And he's going to get more playing time and more reps, which will be really nice for him on this team. I think that it ultimately is as sad of this moment is for Raptors fans. I think it's a moment that had to happen in order for them to kickstart a new era. And that's kind of where I wanted to go here before we put a, uh, before we put a bow on Pascal and talk about the other flip side with Indiana is Pascal is he going to get his jersey retired? I think so. I think uh, the situation with Toronto is interesting because they just haven't done it yet. They haven't retired a singular jersey. So the first conversation is going to be around, should it be Kyle Lowry or probably like a Vince Carter? I personally think it should be Kyle Lowry. And then um, people are going to want to say like after that, who? And it, it's a young franchise. Like, uh, hey, the Orlando Magic are a couple years older than Toronto. And they just uh, retired their first jersey in Shaquille O'Neal. So who's to say Toronto won't wait longer to kind of figure that situation out. But I think given his accomplishments and merits with this team, given his story, 27th overall pick, like you said, uh, a G league MVP and champion, he won at most improved. He won a championship, obviously two-time all NBA, two-time all-star. The Raptors just don't have that many guys who are like that. He's been here for like, I believe eight to nine seasons now. And he just built his way up from the ground. Everybody I talked to today, constantly said the exact same thing from players to coaches to media members this guy was the hardest worker in the room all the time uh Darko Ryakovich before the game described him as a basketball junkie Pascal Siakam was an insanely hard worker his work ethic was just something that translated beyond just him everyone looked at it and were inspired by the type of stuff that he did so I think for the legacy that he left with this team he absolutely should get his jersey retired and I think once they start doing it they'll honor him uh, I, I, just, I coming into this year or coming into the last couple of years, I wasn't sure where Pascal Siakam ranked all time in Toronto Raptors history, but I'm very confident to say he is top five in Toronto Raptors and people can debate it. That's wh- whatever. Uh, but I think guys like him, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry have very similar impacts in the sense of their legacy on culture and what they did for this team and how much they kind of provided in terms of effort on a night to night basis. Uh, obviously Kyle Lowry being like the absolute peak of that. So I, I think Pascal Siakam absolutely deserves to get his jersey retired. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that he should be, in my honest opinion, like he's probably should be the fourth person to get it retired. I, I think everyone can go back and forth between Lowry and Vince. I think it's going to be Vince first, and then it'll be Lowry. I just think with the 30th year coming next year, I feel like the Raptors are going to make that their chance to go and do something special. Yeah, I think Vince will be welcomed back next year. So I, I, I got Vince and Lowry as the next two. Then it's probably going to be Demar given his age, and then Siakam. Like those are really the only four people are going to people say Kawhi. I, no, I don't no. want Kawhi's jersey retired. As much as I love Kawhi, I he can get a statue outside. I'd love I'd love a shot statue. I think that'd look kind of nice out there. Yeah. Not a jersey retirement though. I think he does. I think he's a top five Raptor. He ranks in the top five for points, assists, rebounds. He was a generational star that they found out of a guy who played soccer that didn't pick up a basketball and has blossomed into not necessarily a leader, but just someone that everyone connected with on a personal level. And I'm going to miss him in Toronto. I'm going to miss doing his spicy thing as his little getting the spices in the pot as my celebration I did every time he scored a basket. Uh, I'm going to miss his laugh. I love his laugh. I think his laugh is like an underrated top three laugh I've ever heard in my life. Just like this. He's got a great this, smile. Got a he great does. Smile. He really does. And just the infectious energy that he brought to this team. And yeah. I, but I think ultimately, like as much as it is sad at the point, is it now like there's a clear vision for this team in the future. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have to wait that, if we don't have to wait that much longer for them to be seeing some, effective product being put out there. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised if like two years down the line, this team does something to start competing because if the core turns out to be the core that we think it is, we never know. Right. Yeah. Again, the East is pretty wide open. Hell, the entire NBA is pretty wide open and uh, you have three players who complement each other very well. Emmanuel quickly is a shifty guard who can play, outside in he's a great three-point shooter you saw it in today's game against the heat he can also kind of get to the lane and use that floater game rj barrett is just like downhill all the way insane just bully ball style guy and then scotty barnes is an incredible connector he's he's shown what he can do with this three-point shot he still works great inside he's a great rotating defender 
I think those are just three guys that kind of work well together in terms of their skill sets. And one of the biggest things with like the Pascal Scotty combination is that yes, you could see it working, but there was also overlap in their skills and the way they played. Like both those guys, their strongest spots on the court were very similar areas, to be quite honest, in my opinion. So it's one of those things now where you kind of don't have that overlapping uh, conflict and it makes things uh, clear in that sense. So it's exciting. It's like, cause you, if those three guys develop at a trajectory that you kind of want them to, you really do have a core three that you can build around. Uh, RJ Barrett's under contract quickly. You're going to try to resign and restrict free agency without obviously a Pascal being there. Uh, you set yourself up better to resign a Scotty Barnes for the money that he's going to be worth. So I think you kind of, have that and then you tweak around it i it's i wouldn't be surprised in like three to four seasons that they're kind of competing again let's before we end with uh we're gonna end on pascal siaka moments obviously i'm gonna i'm not gonna take all the moments like i did for og i i got an <laughs> earful from zolfi last time i've learned i'm not gonna take them all good, good. let's talk about the other side because we talked about the raptors a lot and how much this benefits indy uh the under is looking really really bad I am now going to be watching a lot of indie basketball. He joins Tyrese Halliburton and a boatload of young prospects that only blossom that team. Buddy Heald still on that team. How does Pascal Siaka move the needle for you with Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, like in terms of how he changes their, uh, I guess like outlook in the East or in the NBA, I don't think I can exactly put them into like the top contender tier yet because they just, you have to see it right in the playoffs. But like, I think they're right there with a Cleveland. I think they're right there with a Philadelphia 76ers in the East. Like, I don't see why not. Like, think about this. The Indiana Pacers, number one offense in the league, just added a 25 point per game score, all NBA guy without really like taking away any of their depth. The number one offense just added 25 more points a game. This team basically scores like 130 to 140 points a night already. Like that is insane to think about like this. And he fits perfectly in terms of space. They needed a big wing guy, a big, uh, like a forward. And they got exactly that Bruce Brown. Great, great connector. But he can, if you're telling me you basically traded Bruce Brown for Pascal Siakam, this is essentially what the Pacers is because they're trying to be competitive. They don't want the picks and they kept all their young guys in their depth. So you add Pascal Siakam to a win now team. They're obviously going to be a lot better and their offense is going to work a lot better uh Tyrese Halliburton is a perfect guy for Pascal to play around a willing passer a guy can create from the outside in you saw what he could do with a uh, with a Kyle Lowry who would give him the ball in transition and just feed it to him in those head-to-head passes Tyrese Halliburton absolutely does that uh he has a great shooter around him in uh Buddy Heald Miles Turner is a spacing big so he's not gonna be taking up a lot of Pascal Siakam's space when he goes through the lane so I think it just works so perfectly for Indiana I can't say they're like a serious contender yet because you have to see how this develops but most of their guys outside of Tyrese Halliburton, who they've already paid, are cheap rookie deals, are movable contracts. Pascal Siakam is very likely going to get paid what he wants to be on in Indiana, and I think it works perfectly for them. They, they're not a free agent destination, and they basically smartly, in my opinion, decided to trade for Pascal because it's like instead of going into the offseason and obviously not giving up these picks, you'd have to convince Pascal Siakam and be like, hey, Pascal, just think about how it would be like playing with Tyrese Halliburton, one of the best, if not the best point guard in the NBA. Just imagine it. Now they can be like, hey, Pascal, you've done it. You see how awesome it is. You see what it's like playing in this high-powered offense where we'll feed you the ball all the time and you can do what you want in transition. So it really does give them a leg up in that sense. So I think it works perfectly for Indiana. Uh, I think they're as competitive in that second tier as any of those teams, again, with the Cleveland and the Philly. So it's fun, man. This team is going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I. they set themselves up so well. You say win now, they're not really necessarily win now. They have a a good large window here with Siakam coming in there. Uh, their transition game is going to be disgusting to watch. Oh, and I put that down to two things. What have we known about Pascal Siakam in Toronto for the past four years now? He is double teamed on every single possession. He's not going to be double teamed on Indy. You, and, and if he's having his... The consistently how he's been performing this year inside of the paints with his transition and how effective he's been from inside the arc. Add on to the fact that he's not going to be double teamed. How is that not exciting for a prospect for the number one scoring team in the league? Yeah. <laughs> like, they came out so good in this trade. Like, yeah. Yeah, honestly, it was literally for them. It's Bruce Brown for Pascal Siakam, which literally every single team in the league would do. 
So yeah. I, I think it, it works perfectly for them. Uh, we I, I guess it's important to say uh, Tyrese Halliburton is hurt right now, so we're not going to see the whole like connection right away. Obviously, while Tyrese gets healthy, it'll be really interesting and funny. We wanted to vote Pascal Siakam in as an all-star. He's going to be in Indiana now, regardless whether he's playing in the all-star game or not. And uh, I'm sure Indiana would like, and the NBA would like them to have a representative in the all-star game. And if Tyrese is hurt and isn't there, maybe there's a weird world where the coaches pick Pascal Siakam as a reserve all-star based on this next couple weeks of basketball. Who knows? So uh, weird situation, but Pascal, he's in a great spot for him once everyone's healthy and all around. And like, I wish nothing but the success to, nothing but success to him and you saw after the Celtics game Dennis Schroeder uh signed a jersey and gave it to Jason Tatum and said go win it all this year hell I'll say it for Pascal Siakam go win it all this year go go accomplish great things with uh Indiana I wish nothing for, but the best for the guy I've already retracted my statements on what I thought about Indiana <laughs> throughout this season <laughs> and they're, they're gonna be my team to watch for the rest of the season I love Pascal I think he's a perfect fit. You've already sold me on what that team was doing to only add someone who's going to get so much more flowers and so much more love is something that is perfect for his game in the prime of his career to go out and give himself a shot at winning another championship. And I I want to see it happen. They're, they're going to be my team that I'm cheering on. Of course, if, if for some reason the Raptors go on a run and face them, like I'm cheering for the Raptors, but I want Pascal to go and be successful. And I think this sets him up in such a good environment because I think the Warriors, I don't think that really would have been a great landing spot still because I think that team is still on a decline. And the Kings, I think there's a lot of redundancy with him and Sabonis. So I I wasn't too sure how that would have worked. This is legitimately the perfect landing spot for him. And I wish him nothing for the best. And with that said, let's go Zulfi through some of our favorite moments of Pascal Siakam. I'm going to give you the floor first since I rudely took the best ones of OG. I'm going to let you have the floor here. What is one of your favorite moments? I'll, I'll speak on two things. One, and I'll apologize because I'm probably going to take the very, very, very obvious one. Don't uh, do it. His uh, game ceiling shot in uh, the finals in game six. The teardrop. Golden State. Yeah, he, he, this guy, just think about it, man. Like, you've obviously said it, but like, he went from being a nobody, like literally a nobody, 27th picked. Maybe he can do something at the end of a bench, bench mob guy. And in the finals, in the most important situation, the Raptors were up one point uh, with the clock winding down. Pascal Siakam gets it, goes to the right side. Uh, Draymond Green like gambles and tries to go for the steal and he reaches. Pascal gives him that little Euro step and teardrop. And it drops in. That put the Raptors up three. And from there, it was ball game pretty much. Pascal Siakam to go from being a guy that nobody expected to even like have a long run in the NBA to playing at the highest of all high levels in, in NBA basketball for a franchise that has so much pressure because they've never been in that situation before. And for him to take that shot, just embodied everything that he was again, like everyone I spoke to today just talked about how insane of a worker he was or he is rather. And that personifies it. He works hard. He earns it. And he earned that shot. He earned that moment. And he made the most of it. And I think that just was so beautiful to watch. It, it just felt like everything was right in the world when it happened. And you felt so happy for him. It's one of those moments you're just never going to forget. Anytime anyone brings up that game, that championship, you remember that shot. Whether it was like Kyle Lowry had the most insane game in game six of the finals. He went off in the first quarter and he had like 26 or 24 or whatever. But for me, the moment was that shot. Like just everything put together happened in that moment. And it was so beautiful. And uh, the other thing I want to talk about is uh, not just, it wasn't just his basketball play. Like you talked about it. He was just such a fun person uh, before the games, his pregame routine as someone who, who doesn't work on the court at fan experience like you do, but I would work a bit higher up as a server at, at Scotiabank arena. And the one thing I would always love to see is his routine always included like, he would like play keep up and soccer basically with the, the basketball with the, with the assistant basketball. coach. Yeah. yeah. He was with one of the assistant coaches. He would always have fun and just pass the ball around. And then there was always, he'd end his workout with basically getting a law pass from one of the assistant coaches and just smiling and laughing. And almost always, it was almost like part of his routine when he's going off the court, he would stop, sign autographs, take pictures, talk to people, make the fans feel included and involved. Almost every single game he would do that. And it was weird tonight, like one of the first things when I was like in the arena there and like watching the pregame routine, like 
it felt like there was a gap. Like that was the gap, like that moment when he's walking off the court and he's having that experience, that interaction with fans. And it just showed the kind of person he was. There was reporting today that even though he's been traded, he's still going to keep the home base of his foundation in Toronto because he wants to do good work in this city. It just speaks to the kind of person that he is. And I think that needs to be highlighted as much of the fact that he's just a really good basketball player. So I think those two things for me stand out so much. So you actually took that second one straight out of my mouth. So you stole, we reversed it. I took your moments. His character, man. I, it was just something that I don't think that you would understand. Maybe fans would understand unless you saw it. Just the things that he did for the city, for what he did to every single kid in that arena to make them light up whenever he would go over and talk to them, sign their jersey, go out of his way to do it. Like literally would go over the barrier that was set up to go and make sure every kid's jersey was signed. Just the smile, his and one scream, his personality, like all the videos that are put out for media day, he's just the most charismatic person in the world. Uh, And I'm going to miss that because as much as I think Scotty has that charisma in him, you're right. There's a void. There's a literal void there without him there. And it feels wrong. Granted, it's day one. We're going to be noticing that stuff a little bit more. And as time goes on, it'll heal. That's what it happens. But yeah, his personality was definitely my favorite. And I'm going to hopefully be seeing some good things from him over in Indy. As for on court... So many moments, like towards the end also, we took for granted like double-doubles and how good Pascal was during, like he was just casually, the game against the Pistons, he dropped so many points that game, like he was just trying his best and he, people put like, took it for granted just how good he was, but I'm going to go with the 54-point performance against the Knicks as my top one, that was last year, that was his career best, Uh, just a insane performance from pascal all around absolutely dominant dominant and they ended it with the water bottles and og throwing water bottles at pascal's head one of my favorite recurring bits was that og never actually took the cap off of the water yeah. and would just throw the bottles at whoever did it even darko's first game his first win he was just chucking bottles at darko's <laughs> heads he just doesn't care so that's my number one and then i would say my number two is probably the philly dunk in 2019 And that's such a specific moment, but that felt like the DeMar DeRozan, I got us moment, you know, Mm -hmm. when the Raptors were, everyone's kind of unsure about what this team was going to be like without Kawhi, if they actually were going to be serious contenders or not. And that was the ice in front of a sold out Scotiabank arena. The crowd rose their feet. Doesn't matter. The game was over. Pascal took that thing to the other side and dunked and just screamed in front of all the fans. And everyone felt like, this team is special and it was special and then COVID ruined it. So you suck COVID. Yeah. Those are definitely my two favorite moments from Jackham. And there's so many to pick from literally so, so many. many, but yeah, those are my two. Yeah. It's a, it's a new era, I guess. That's the way we have to look at it. It's yeah. A new day. Do we want to talk about rebuilding uh, the franchise in general with their marketing? We the North? I think it's time, man. I think it's time to retire We the North. Yeah, I, I there's some people who I've seen on social media say, like, We the North forever and, like, the North uprising. And I, and I agree with the sentiment for the most part, but I think it's also, the way I look at it, I feel like it's right to say goodbye to the era with the players that defined it. You know what I mean? Like, these guys worked their butt off to create the We the North era, create the culture and create the environment that it was set around. And I think with them gone, it's only right to kind of respect the legacy in a way and leaving the legacy with them. Like these new players, I don't think need to face the pressure or the, I guess, like the remembrance of that legacy and be like, why couldn't you be like the We the North era? Why not be like that? And like being compared to it, you know what I mean? So like start new, start different. Like you said, the 30th anniversary is next year. Like give them the opportunity to build something that's their own. Like and create their own version of We the North. So I think like the guys in the past, like Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Fred Van Vliet, OG, Pascal, like they helped define that era and that should be there remembered for them. So let's let's try something new and let these guys, let Scotty, RJ, I, I quickly and the rest of the guys kind of create their own thing. Yeah, I'm with you. 
I think that this should be the last year of We the North. It won't be. I don't gen like this is probably just wishful thinking. Like it's a marketing thing. It makes yeah. a boatload of money. Like they're it's probably not too, going to. to. Be fair. Like it's a really good like slogan and like kind of era type defining the term. You see it with the rest of Toronto, the Leafs try to copy that stuff. Like the Jays are trying to find their We the North with the next level. Like everyone's trying to find it because it was such a good marketing scheme. Yeah. And it really rallied the fans. But I just think you're right. It, it's specific to those guys. And I think it's kind of like fitting to retire it with the last guy. Yeah, Chris Boucher is still there. We all love you, Chris Boucher. You're the survivor <laughs> of every single trade. Doesn't Somehow doesn't make it into trade deadlines. That guy's going to retire a Raptor. That's my, <laughs> that's my hot That'd take. That would be awesome, man. Canadian, He's just going to be there forever. I love Chris Boucher. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's hilarious that his contract was like the most movable contract out of every single guy on the Raptors, and he just survived every single thing. But no, like the Chevrons, get rid of them. Yeah. Brand new jerseys next year. Have your retro nights. Bring back the dino for your retros for 30th year. Like, that's fine. Go ahead, do that. I would love to see a Scotty dino jersey because that would just be sexy as hell. And RJ, too. Like, I I would buy both of those jerseys. I think it's time, though. I think it's time for brand new jerseys. Maybe mix up the color schemes, change the ball logo. Go, go wild. Do something. Differentiate yourself to bring in the Scotty Barnes era because this is this is his time. And I uh, feel like we the North will just for now, anyways, remind me of that era, which is obviously a good thing and always a good time to remember about your championship. <sighs> I'm you feel sad. better. You feel worse. How you feel? Uh, I think I just need a good night's sleep. Honestly, yeah, I think everyone does. It's one of those things where, like, it's not going to feel real for a bit. You're going to have to process it, and it's it's not going to look good right away. And hell, it may never look good. But like you said, at a certain point, you have to say goodbye. It is unfortunate the way the goodbye happened. It wasn't on the terms people wanted it to, but a goodbye was necessary. And uh, we don't know what the future holds for any of these guys or this team and the Pacers and Pascal. It's just that they get to go do what they want now and build the way they want to. And Masai and the Raptors in the front office get to build the way they want to. And I guess the last thing I'll say is for all the conversations of like, they could have got this, they should have got that and whatever. I just ask yourself, were you, if you were in the position of this front office willing to pay Pascal Siakam between 45 to 50 million dollars a year to be on this team and if the answer is no and you can say yes if you want to by all means and keep in mind that the other players you have to pay on this team rj barry currently is making around 27 million dollars you have to pay Emmanuel quickly you have to pay scotty barnes keep that in mind but if the answer is no then you have to see what you got out there and what the value of that was that's that's just it because if you weren't willing to pay him that money then you risked him walking away for nothing this offseason and uh are you willing to put up with that just to respect quote unquote your franchise star player? So just, just think about it. It's food for thought, right? Like you just have to decide where were you on this? Did you view Pascal Siakam contractually as that kind of a player? Yes or no. And if yes, then you have every right to feel spited by this kind of a deal. If no, then I say, look at it with a bit of a positive spin that this team kind of did what they needed to do to, to move forward. I can't say it any better than myself. I think what stings most is that Pascal will be back in Toronto on Valentine's Day, completing the list of X's, as I put it. <laughs> Kyle was tonight, DeMar tomorrow at the time of recording, so on the 18th. OG on Saturday. Then the week yeah. after, Kawhi and Norm. Week after, Fred twice, both in Toronto and in Houston. JV also in the middle of that, wow. ending off with Pascal on Valentine's Day. That's not enough time for me to, <laughs> to be okay. It's actually, it's crazy how quick that is, to be honest. Like, he's going to be back in under a month. You're going to see Pascal Siakam in another jersey. And, like, especially because it wasn't, like, there was reports today and he was there in the game and he was on the bench. Like, this happens way before the game, a couple hours before. So, Pascal Siakam is nowhere to be seen. I think I've heard that he's probably headed to Indiana tomorrow. Yeah, he's not uh, playing tomorrow. Yeah, so at the time of recording, which is like Thursday night when the trade was announced, so uh, Friday he's making his way towards Indiana. And then obviously there's physicals and other things and all that. So like the Raptors just didn't – like the fan base didn't even really get to see him. It wasn't one of those things where like uh, – There's the no goodbye, ending. man. Yeah, you could – there was no ovation. There was no goodbye in that sense. It's just like 
we have to wait till that day on Valentine's Day to kind of give him a, a welcome back and a goodbye all at once. Yeah, I'm going to be crying in the club at that <laughs> game. I will be an emotional wreck. What do you think? Do you think that we did enough service to Pascal and his career yeah. with the Raptors? We left it in a good spot. Like, uh, what? Uh, in the coming days, we'll probably talk more about the guys that got back, Jordan Nuarez, the Kira Lewis, and what the situation is like. But I think today or tonight was a good night to talk about Pascal Siakam. Uh, and uh, I guess the last thing I just wanted to say, and I know we touched on it earlier, is that uh, what what a day for Darko Ryakovich and yeah. his coaching staff. Uh, very, very emotional. Uh, when he talked about it before the game, before he even mentioned anything or talked any basketball or anything else, he wanted to make a statement about the fact that uh, Dejan Milojevic, and again, I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, was a good friend of his since they were teenagers. In Serbia, they knew each other. They learned from each other. They got to bounce ideas. They were together not that long ago. And uh, after the game, Darko Ryakovic was very visibly emotional. Uh, he mentioned that first play of the game that got a Gary Trent Jr. three. He stole from his late friend, Dejan Milojevic, which I thought was completely beautiful. Yeah. And after the game, he said that um, he dedicated this win not just to the Raptors, but to his friend. And I think that just shows the kind of person that he is. And a, a lot of the guys who came in and talked, from uh, Scotty, Gary, Grady, they all said like today was just more than basketball. Today was bigger than it, uh, than anyone individually. Because those guys were asked about like, do you see an opportunity with a guy like Pascal and stuff going on? And all of them were like, today just wasn't about basketball. It was bigger than that. It was about being together as a team. And uh, Darko's message before they all went out there on that court and put forth that amazing performance against the the Miami Heat was just that I love my guys and. Uh, I think that just shows he's a person that you, you have to have all the faith in the world and for a character like that. And I respect the hell out of Darko for putting forth the kind of effort he did today. And I commend him and just sending all the love and uh, positive vibes to him and everyone involved in that situation tonight. Yeah. I think Masai was right in the summer when he introduced Darko and said that he's a man of very high character yeah. and no more has shown that within the past couple weeks, especially tonight. And yeah, thoughts and prayers to his family as well as the Warriors organization. I couldn't even believe to imagine what they went through last night. It must have been so just, uh, I I don't even want to think of that. But yeah, yeah, today was just a rough day for the basketball world um, in more ways than one. There was a beautiful moment of silence that they did at Scotiabank Arena tonight as well for that. uh, Just, yeah, you can't even begin to imagine. 46. 46 yeah. results. And uh, the Warriors game was obviously postponed because they're still dealing with it. I believe they were, again, I don't want to really get into the details, but I believe no. they were at a team dinner. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people on the team close to it were kind of there during most of this situation. So it's, I can't imagine what they're having to process right now, along with the families, obviously. So it's just, like you said, a really tough day for the NBA community and all the people involved. And all you do is just hope for everyone to stay healthy and can move forward from this in any kind of a way possible. Yeah, like trades are trades are all fun and speculant to talk about all that. And but this this that's that's real life that we just yeah. talked about there. And it's yeah, that it's just shocking that something like that can happen. Clearly, how a, a man that has touched so many different people because you look online and it's everyone is coming out and talking about how much this guy has made an impact and in ways that like you never really ever thought. And yeah, so that is, it's a tough, it's a tough thing that happened today. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to the Warriors organization and his family as well. I think we should probably wrap this up though. It's uh, yeah. we're approaching one o'clock at the time of recording this. I think, <laughs> I think we need to sleep off our Pascal Siakam hangover. Yeah. Everybody enjoy your night day. Whenever you listen to this, just wishing everyone nothing but positivity, good vibes, and it's a new era in Toronto. Call it mild BBQ, call it whatever, but it's it's new. I said I tweeted this after the game that it's it's young, it's fun, it's a little reckless. You saw in this game, but it's here to stay, and that's the new Toronto era. So let's see how it goes. New Toronto era, same old dream team, same old bumbling me. Uh, if you did like this podcast, please go ahead and review it. Give us, like, please, for the love of God, I don't know how many times I have to keep asking for this. 
even if you tell me, be like, hey, Jake, you're like really bad at what you're doing right now. Please stop. I'll be like, I'll take it. But write that as a review. I, I saw none of you guys wrote a tweet in, so you didn't make it to the end of that two and a half hour thing <laughs> of our New Year's Eve special. So, you know, I, I got away from that. But yeah, go ahead and review us. Give us some love. Five stars. Follow us wherever you want. Apple, Spotify. And you can find me at Jake underscore Schultz six as well on Twitter. I've put out some stuff Raptors related. I've been writing some articles for Sportsnet as well. Uh, so you can be on the lookout as well. Just follow us on Dream Team at Dream underscore Team Pod on Twitter and X where you can see all the articles because we retweet all of them. All four of us, the boys, have been putting out some massive, massive work. So shout out to all of us. We're going to give us a pat on the back for that one. Uh, and on Instagram, less, less active there, but Dream underscore Team underscore Pod on Instagram. Zolfi, since you're the only other one, where can they find you? Uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zolfi underscore Shake. That's Z-U-L-F-I underscore S-H-E-I-K-H. Uh, like Jake, doing some stuff for Sportsnet, freelancing with Raptors Republic. I do a bit of stuff with Canada Hoops Daily as well that's getting off the ground. And yeah, uh, check out the work. Uh, I had a conversation with Grady Dick today, like I mentioned, which was awesome. I'm working on a piece around that. That should be coming up next week. Uh, I was going to say it's a fun conversation, and I guess it was, but it was more of just like an impactful conversation. He was very, like, uh, I guess he had a great perspective on just his conversations today with people. And like you mentioned, they felt like a day bigger than basketball for him too. But I took a lot of good stuff from it, and I'm excited for people to kind of see that once it does come out. So please check it out. But, yeah, I appreciate everyone for listening. And, uh, yeah, man, let's let's move on. Let's, let's enjoy some basketball in the future. Yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, different perspectives on everything as well. New era in Toronto, same old dream team. We will catch you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening. Peace.